previously on Annie Monday. We're also just getting out of that like cicada season, which has made me feel like we're in a anime. Yeah, it is the sound of the summer. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you remember when we said that we were going to have a routine? I believe the phrase was, we have a rhythm. We have a rhythm. Yeah. And then everything fell apart. (laughs) Well, one thing fell apart, and then multiple other things fell apart. (laughs) Yes. Right. So, we're sorry about the break. It wasn't planned. Hopefully, we fixed the issue. We actually did do our work. We did. We had a whole episode recorded in time. It was beautiful. It went great. And then we listened back, and it's as you heard. Yes. And, uh, yeah. This time we've fixed the issue. We've we are doing it again. Yeah, yeah. So this is the second recording of the episode. And on our previous episode, we hit the random button and we pulled Magic Kaito out of the proverbial hat. That uh landed better with you the first time, I guess. It did. <laughs> <laughs> the recycled jokes aren't going to hit as strong this time. Magic Kaito began as a manga series written by Gosho Aoyama in 1987. It is still ongoing, but there are only five volumes so far. And uh, they come out very infrequently. They were published in 1988, 1994, 2007, and 2017. The series preceded Aoyama's most well-known work, which is Detective Conan, uh, by nearly ten years. And uh, as a result, characters from Magic Kaito show up in Detective Conan on occasion as well. They premiered a 12-episode anime adaptation in 2010, and that's considered kind of an animated TV special rather than a proper series. And it's not particularly easy to find where to watch that these days. But in 2014, A1 Pictures produced a 24-episode anime series called Magic Kaito 1412, which is the series that we watched. And from that series, we watched the first four episodes on Crunchyroll. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis? Eight years after the death of his father, Kaito Kuroba learns of his father's secret identity as the phantom thief Kaito Kid. When he discovers the organization responsible for murdering his father, he dons the mantle of the Kaito Kid to thwart their plans of achieving immortality through the Pandora Gym. With each stolen gem, he gets closer to avenging his father and stopping the organization. So weird. I don't know what to talk about this time. (laughs) Let's start with the characters. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, there's not a whole lot to say about Kaito that you haven't heard on basically every episode of Animande. He is a 17-year-old student. (laughs) Um, I guess his uh, quirk is that he is... Very disruptive in class with illusions. Um, He is some form of magician, um, and 
throughout the series, it's kind of revealed in in certain parts that like some of its illusion, like smoke and mirrors, traditional sort of stage magic kind of stuff. And some of it's a little bit more nebulous. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's kind of just allowed to get away with this in class whenever he wants. I don't know that I actually remember really seeing his teacher at all. Like, I know that they were there, but I have no recollection for their response to him. Yeah, they, they basically just, they're kind of a, a shut down under pressure kind of teacher, mm-hmm. if I remember. Mm-hmm. And so this initial incident in the first episode happens and uh, just kind of rolls over the teacher. And even I, if I remember, stands up at the front of class and I rule this class now kind of attitude. I know definitely he just like jumps out of his classroom window at some point and it's just like, I'm done with school today and leaves. As one does. Yeah, sure. Kaito is definitely a pretty standard like teenage anime character. He's presented as kind of a prodigy child because he's pretty much good at anything he does. Not everything, because there always has to be something that that one weird thing they're bad at. But for the most part, he seems to be doing fine in school. He's really good at this sort of magic that it seems like both of his parents... I mean, definitely his dad, but I think his mom is an entertainer as well. Yeah, some some form of one. And the thing that's always kind of marked about this type of character is that they are always bored. They're bored with the people around them. They're bored, especially with the adults around them, because, you know, adults in theory should be you know, smarter or better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. But because he's the best, he doesn't respect anybody. So he's always kind of looking for something to entertain him. And sometimes that's people. So he has a best friend that he's always teasing because that's entertainment to him. Um, Sometimes it's tricks. It's, you know, he's always trying to find a way to do something new or better, whatever. Yeah, and you you kind of alluded to the background of this character and his family history a little bit in the uh, synopsis. But yeah, um, his father died eight years prior to when the show takes place. And uh, his father had the secret identity known as the Kaito Kid, a magician thief. And um, he didn't know about the secret identity up to the start of the show. Um, but we learn that his father was killed by a mysterious organization, um, basically because he stole a gem that they were after. And the way that Kaito finds out that his dad was the secret thief is kind of weird. He just like stumbles through a poster that was in his room. Yeah. And then there's his dad's Batman lair. Um, and much like Batman, it's just full of weird gadgetry, which is also part of the, the smoke and mirrors part is that he has a lot of, a lot of gadgets that allow him to take on this mantle. Yeah. As well as a series of pre-recorded vinyl discs Mm -hmm. that his dad 
made for him that are telling him like what to do. Right. Yeah, and and you mentioned the timing of this, him just happening to like fall through a poster. It is the the same day that uh, word reaches him that the Kaito kid has returned after eight years. And uh, kind of like you were saying, because he's just constantly bored, I guess Kaito decides he's going to be the one to capture the Phantom Thief. To prove that he's the better magician. And um, so he he sets out that evening to go catch this guy. And uh, he does, because he's good at everything. And that's when the person who has returned as the, the Kaito kid turns out to be G, his father's former assistant. He has taken on this role to try to draw out the people who might have killed his father. And uh, he also owns the Blue Parrot, which is a billiards bar. Shortly after this whole thing happens, Kaito pretty much immediately assumes the role himself. And it's just another way for him to prove that he's the best at everything. So I think he's like going into it sort of to figure out stuff with his dad, but it seems like mostly as a way to test his skills. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say he doesn't care about his dad, but it just sort of seems like he understands in a lot of ways, like there isn't bringing his dad back, like revenge isn't going to solve that, but he does want to stop the organization from trying to achieve immortality. He understands that part is bad. Right. Yeah, and I mean, the way that, like, these uh, recordings from his father start coming up, um, you know, he's suddenly learning all these things about his father, and and it is almost like he just wants to one-up him Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, not even that he's, like, taking on the legacy or is interested at all in uh, why his father did that or how he didn't know for his entire life or anything like that. He's just like... Uh, well, these things are happening now, this organization is back, and I'm so good at this stuff, I can stop them, so I guess this is my job now. And what's interesting is that G just kind of goes with it. He's sort of like, well, I was the Alfred Pennyworth figure Mm -hmm. to, to your dad, so I guess I'll just do that for you, too. It's sort of like... He doesn't really even question if this kid should take on the mantle. He's just sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll go back to where I'm more comfortable, which is this like assistant role. Well, and even his father's recordings kind of point to that. Like, Mm. well, of course you're going to become the new Kaito kid. Like, (laughs) obviously. Yeah. Um, And there are flashbacks to like his father, you know, teaching him illusion magic in his childhood Giving him moral lessons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is important because this entire archetype of the like gentleman thief is uh, specifically with the Kaito kid. He announces exactly where he's going to be, what he's going to steal at what exact time, and then does it exactly that way. Um, and his goal really isn't even to acquire the items for personal gain or whatever. It's just more proof of how good they are at this thing. And in this particular instance, he's not even really keeping the items from what I can tell. There's 
I went back to see, and there's like a very quick little line that basically he's returning it as soon as he figures out that whatever gym he's stealing isn't the gym that he's looking for. So I don't know if his father kept the the gyms that he used to steal, but this Kaito is not. He's returning them yeah. as soon as he figures out it's not the Pandora gym. Yeah, and I mean, there there hasn't been anything like, you know, in his father's lair, like a collection of his prized, you know, steals no. over the years. Uh, really, the only one that may, remains in, really the only one that remains intact is a later episode, which he was basically stealing back for GE because mm-hmm. it was originally his. Yeah, and it, the only way I could think that he was keeping the gems before is to explain how, you know, a stage magician would afford all the gadgetry required right. to be a gentleman thief. But yeah, it just seems like the whole setup is very limited. You know, unlike something like his later series with with the with Conan, the the detective kid, there's a finite amount of room that they're working with, which is one of these gems has to be this Pandora gem. And he doesn't really care about anything else. You know, he's not he's not looking to invoke revenge. He's just trying to stop this organization from doing something, which also has a finite amount of time because they have to find the gem before a certain date or they're like, I think it's like a comet or something is going to come over the earth and if they don't drink the liquid that comes from the the comet through sure. the gym and achieve immortality they'd have to wait a thousand years uh-huh. so there's a finite amount of space right for the show to operate so some of the like motivation i feel like is fine that it's not it's not supposed to be this forever ongoing yeah. thing uh, and of course, he he does have some opposition in the show uh, when he announces that he's going to steal something, uh, primarily from Inspector Nakamori, who is a uh, detective on the police force who's pretty seemingly incompetent. At least comparatively. Yeah, uh, compared to some of his other opposition, um, this guy... Uh, really doesn't have any creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Kaito kid says, I'm going to show up here at this exact time to steal this thing, he puts all of his resources into, let's just put a thousand dudes around that item mm-hmm. and be there at the right time and we'll stop him, obviously. He's very by the book. It's very like, this is what protocol is, so that's what we're going to do. Which obviously never works. Um, the Kaito kid does have gadgetry, um, it is bizarre how it works and <laughs> how it can possibly be effective, but yeah. some of that's a little hand wavy, which mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, he gets fooled frequently by dummies that kind of look like the Kaito kid is running around mm-hmm. um, and things like that. He has a gun that shoots playing cards. Yeah. Sh- sure. Sure. <laughs> Um, Some people can do that with their hands. They can like throw cards and it's like a knife. Yeah. He just has a gun that does it. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, seems dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think ultimately 
where the detective is going to come in primarily is that Inspector Nakamori is a character named Aoko's father. And Aoko is the childhood friend that you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of has the supporting like female character role of not really bringing a whole lot to the table, unfortunately. Uh, is definitely going to be there as a love interest and a like will they won't they kind of thing. But I I do think there are elements to their relationship that are interesting, and I, I do think there is opportunity for this like weird rift between his childhood best friend and her dad being the inspector who wants to take him down uh, could be interesting. When I was first watching this, the the best friend, she reminds me a lot of um, the best friend from Yu Hakusho, whose name I, I'm pretty sure is Kiko or Kaiko. And um, they clearly... In Yu Yu show, and then I'm projecting onto the show as well, they clearly have interest in each other. Like, there's a lot of teasing that goes back and forth with them. And so it's kind of like, a oh, they're like friends who don't, you know, they can't really stand each other. But really, it's to mask, like, the, the romantic tension between them. And it always comes out when uh, a third party comes to threaten their dynamic. So... In one episode, there's a guy who's being set up as the natural rival to Kaito, and he shows an interest in in this girl, and and immediately Kaito responds, yeah, and becomes really like observant and like much more involved with her, and just being like, he still wants to play it cool, but he definitely is like, I've got to show this dude up, like this is my girl, you know. And I feel like that's the direction the show's going to go. Sometimes that resolves in them actually having a moment in which they acknowledge their feelings. And sometimes they just keep it like this because they already know. They already know that they're into each other, but maybe they just don't want either at that time or in the show or whatever. They don't want to actually make it a relationship. And that's what I see in this. Clearly, they're into each other. There just may or may not be an official relationship associated with that. Right. Yeah, and the the dynamic with the character you mentioned, um, his name is Suguru, um, is also going to be uh, a source of tension in the heist kind of part of things Mm -hmm. um, outside of the classroom and everywhere else because uh, Suguru fills the the role of the young hotshot detective another prodigy right who is brought in externally because this local police department is not getting the job done mm-hmm. and uh he kind of has the same outlook on things of like he doesn't really care about justice or anything like that his goal seems to be i am the best detective you all are incompetent, so I'm going to be the one to catch this guy. I wonder if this was sort of like a first draft of Conan. Like a, I want this kind of character. I want to write this kind of character. But then he wrote it and was like, this isn't going to work. And then eventually, you know, Conan comes 
comes out of all of that. Yeah. Because they have similar vibes. Yeah. And and maybe even just putting that in like a antagonist sort of role instead. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I could see that. Um, Even if just for some reason, like this one didn't catch on quite the same way that Detective Conan later did. Mm -hmm. And he keeps coming back to this series on occasion to keep writing those characters. Yeah. Yeah. That could certainly be, uh, could certainly be part of it. So in terms of how the story progresses throughout the four episodes that we watched, there is some degree of continuity, like across the episodes. But for the most part, it's fairly episodic in that each episode is its own individual heist. And so there will be some... Some information given about like, oh, here's this gem. Maybe it's the Pandora gem. And then there'll be the announcement of the heist. There'll be something related to Kaito's, you know, personal life that also interplays in this. There'll be the heist. And then like the small resolution at the end that is, this is not the Pandora gem. And then next episode, same thing happens again. And not really like a conversation of oh remember that time that I stole this thing or here are the ramifications of me trying to take that it's it kind of reminds me of like the old Scooby-Doo shows like there were overall things that were kind of happening but for the most part it was just them going and solving the crime and then next week would be a different crime and next week would be a different you know whatever it was I guess they weren't always crimes it was mysteries which is an interesting corner they've walked themselves into with Kaito only being interested in gems mm-hmm. specifically because he's trying to find this one to destroy it. How can there be so many gems in one small well, region? Yeah, one one town like that this one detective would be the like presiding officer over. Right. He's not like going all across Japan. So if you're talking like 20 or so individual <laughs> heists, like how many famous jewels are there? Yes. So it'll be interesting to see if moving forward with the story, if there does start to be more crossover between episodes or carry through, I guess, between episodes. Right now, we know that there's kind of an overarching goal, but we're not, obviously, if it's a 24 episode thing, four episodes in, we're not really close to that. So it will be hard to tell. If we get there. Yeah. But at least there's an end to this one. Yeah, presumably. (laughs) True. I guess he could still, uh, he might still be writing it, but it's definitely not a thousand episodes long. I'm looking at you, Conan. Yeah. I also like how the, okay, because we've talked about like the opposition to Kaito and his heists, but then there is the, I, I wouldn't call them like antagonists more or less like the mysterious organization is the antagonist for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, they want to do murders and stuff, right? Um, not prevent crimes. Yeah. Um, and it seems an awful lot like Kaito knowing all this information about this organization and having these connections now with multiple police detectives and all of this, like, Hey, the solution here is probably uh, we need to look at, every gem in the city right like right now yeah. and find this one gem yes. destroy it 
before they get their hands on it. And then we're good. But instead, we're going to drag this out over 24 episodes and elaborate heists and all of this. It could be a thousand, Colin. It could be. It could be. (laughs) 24 doesn't seem that bad in, in light of Conan. So, continuing our conversation, let's start going into more of the production stuff, talking about animation and music and all of that. Yeah, um, I think one kind of notable thing that uh, stands out about this show, and if you've looked at any screenshots from any episode, you've probably seen this, is that the character designs are very striking and unique for this show. Um, And they do kind of look like Detective Conan characters, but there is one distinct feature of this show um, that I think is way more pronounced than than the um, other work of the same author. Um, And that is the noses on the characters. Um, We alluded to this when we first rolled the show because we saw some big pointy noses. And... uh, if if you are thinking right now about a big pointy nose and you haven't seen a screenshot from this show, you're not thinking big and pointy enough. <laughs> uh, it is more big and pointy than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's interesting because the angle of the character really reveals a lot about that kind of aspect of their profile. Uh, meaning if if you're looking straight at a character head on, Uh, It looks like a normal kind of little button anime nose. And then the more angled you are towards them, the longer it seems. Um, And I actually kind of like it. I think it's interesting, at least. Um, It doesn't really affect the majority of the show. Like, you're not just constantly looking at this weird kind of... um, grotesque sort of character feature it's just an interesting thing that comes up on occasion it does seem to be more pronounced with the more prominent the character is the more prominent their nose is because certain characters like the the detective he starts to kind of have a sharp nose and then it just kind of looks like somebody cut off the tip And that happens with random characters. And the more kind of background they are, the more standard they look. Um, So it doesn't seem to carry across to everybody. But it is something that, while stylized, doesn't look dated. Sometimes when you look at different eras of animation, you can be like, oh, this was the thing that everybody was doing at that time. So like, I know there are instances where people can be like, oh, this was, this was definitely 80s anime. You know, you think of like Gundam, you know, and and that sort of stylized look and, and you can go throughout 
multiple eras, you know, in the last, we've talked about like the 2010s and the style of, of that mm-hmm. era. And, um, and this doesn't just happen in animate happens in, in animations as well. But this show, while it can look kind of eighties, it isn't obviously eighties in the way that some shows are. Yeah. So it does have a bit of timelessness to it while still being really stylized. So if you knew these characters, if you knew what they were from, it'd be really easy to identify them in a way that not all shows can. Some shows, you know, while they have really interesting characters, while they have really interesting and good animation, the character design themselves doesn't really stand apart from other similar looking animes. Yeah. And this show, I definitely will probably be able to point it out in the future. Like if I saw these characters, I'd be able to be like, oh, I, I know that show. I know what that's from. Without many context clues. Because, you know, if you think of something like Naruto, you'd be able to tell it apart because of environmental cues, stuff that they're wearing, like their headbands or things like that. These characters are just normal looking people. They're wearing normal looking clothes. But the way that they're drawn is interesting. And like I said, I, th- I think it's stylized in a way that will be able to get you to recognize them yeah. from other similar looking animes. Yeah. And, and I even dug through a little bit of the manga to see how much it carried over from their original designs. And honestly, it, it feels pretty... Um, it feels pretty faithful to the the manga character designs, um, but A1, at least in this production, has done a really nice job of kind of modernizing the context, but still keeping the core kind of identity and visual representation of the characters um, so that it is recognizable from, you know, this 80s kind of design, but um, still fits in like modern animation techniques and everything. And in that vein... The animation for this show is, you know, we've kind of talked about this before. There are a lot of shows that are very clean. They're very well drawn. They're very well animated. But there isn't anything like super spectacular. Like they're not doing anything crazy new or interesting, you know, in that regard. So while it is a clean and well drawn, well animated show... Um, it's interesting, given the source material of it being with magic, is that they're really trying to balance this like stage magic of we want you to understand that some of this is stage magic to what degree, I don't know. But we also don't want to show you that it's stage magic. Yeah. And so they're kind of playing with the animation in a way that sometimes it does feel like it's a power magic as opposed to an illusion. And I've gone back and forth in whether I like this because on the one hand, it's like I want it to be clear that Mm -hmm. it's stage magic or I want it to be clear that it's, that it's, you know, actual magic. But I, I was thinking about it, you know, while we had to re-record. I was thinking like, well, that's just kind of how stage magic is. Yeah. Like there are people like Penn and Teller who are like, we're going to show you how the magic works. 
with some of it. And then some of it we're going to keep to ourselves because there still is entertainment in that. And the show has done some of that. Like they did show us some of the the trick behind yeah. the illusion. And it's interesting to see it play out in animation. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been like in these four episodes and, and a few heists, there are a couple things that we can latch on to in terms of the magic of knowing how it works or what it's supposed to do. Like he uses balloons a lot. Yeah. And he has these weird, I don't know if they're like weather balloons or party balloons or whatever, but some kind of inflatable device. And that's frequently what he'll use for like. An escape route. Yeah. As like his, um, like his, his diversion for the detectives to go after so that they'll leave him alone. And uh, he'll put like clothing like he wears around the balloons and then send it away and it floats off and they chase it down. Um, and so we can kind of assume he's got balloons in his arsenal somewhere. And so if there's a trick we're not familiar with, well, could it be balloons? Uh, maybe not. And then in an episode later where he's trying to steal this pool cue back for G, um, he plays a round of pool and he's definitely cheating. And they reveal at that point that he's using wires that he set up around the room before the match started. And he's kind of like got them attached to his fingers and is pulling them up to make the balls bounce at the right time and go in the right direction. And so then you can use that knowledge later of maybe he's using wires for this trick. And um, I, I do think it would be interesting if they kind of feed you small pieces to say not necessarily this is how the trick works, but like these are the tools that I have to create tricks and then allow you to kind of infer that stuff yourself. Um, but there are definitely times where you're like, well, is this like, sorcery kind of magic <laughs> mm -hmm. we're not really sure if he if he has access to any weird stuff or if everything is gadgetry um and yeah there's a little bit of weird mystery around all that and they like i said they try to they try to make it tangible while also like suspending belief like sometimes when i watch a show like i think about this with like some a lot of the like high level detective stuff. So like when they're trying to do like Sherlock Holmes, right? He's like a high level detective. And sometimes the way that he gets to the conclusion is you're like, what even, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, this isn't, this isn't a thing. These you know? two completely unrelated right. things. This proves it. Yes. And so this show tries to have some degree of realism you know, so you were talking about the episode where he's playing pool. And my thought was he was setting, he plays a really bad round first. Yeah. And then he plays a really good round. And then it's revealed after the good round and things go down that he was using strings. And at first it was like, what? There's just strings. How is that even possible? Like, how, how would nobody notice this? You know, because it wasn't his pool table or anything. And it was like, oh, he was setting them up in the the first round. Right. And like, while that still doesn't totally make sense in terms of like, how can you not notice these? Of course, they would be affecting like playing pool is a lot about 
like geometry, but it's also about like how much pressure do you apply in these? And it can be very, a lot of finesse can go into it. So it's like, there's no way. But also in this world, it's at least plausible in a way that doesn't feel completely unrelated, if not totally believable. Yeah. I think in terms of production too, um, the pool is kind of a good instance of, you know, on occasion they have to feed in 3D rendered sort of elements into the animation. And as usual, like those can be jarring. They're not as nice as kind of the more hand-drawn style. But otherwise, things look pretty good um, and modern in this show. Um, but if there is one one thing, but if there is one other thing I wanted to mention about the production, it's that the intro theme is kind of a jam. Yeah. Which is surprising. We don't get a whole lot of those uh, in our random roles. We we have typically been pretty hard on <laughs> both the music and sometimes the animation for intros. But mm. especially in this case, it's it's actually a song that I would listen to, which yeah. is not, not common for uh, a lot of these, I think. It's kind of a bummer that there isn't really an outro, which may work in its favor. They just kind of put all their eggs in one basket and didn't. There really isn't any outro. Yeah. Um, there isn't like a outgoing animation or anything. There's just sort of like credits start to roll. And then they're like, next week, we'll kind of do this. And and that's it. But even throughout the show, the music isn't huge. But it does work. I do think that they paid attention to the music, even if it's. Not like, oh, man, the music throughout the show is super amazing. But some shows, they just seem to put in music that does not work with what's happening in the show. It feels disjointed. And the music in this show does feel very congruent with whatever the mood is or what they're wanting you to think the mood is. And while not mind-blowing, it does work. And I do think that they actually tried and cared about that aspect of production. Yeah. And I think that feeds into uh, a number of other things kind of on the edges of um, specifically you had mentioned like the next on next week's episode or, or the recaps or anything like that. All of that stuff is presented in a stage magic kind of Mm -hmm. format. Um, Like you see a, a stage with a curtain drawn and he comes out like in stage costume tuxedo sort of Mm -hmm. magician look and uh ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. and then he describes what'll happen or uh you know whatever whatever they're trying to do and Mm -hmm. and so i think those little touches to kind of keep bringing back the theme of the show are uh, interesting production kind of choices Mm -hmm. so i think to wrap up some of my thoughts about this show um while i find that a lot of the production is pretty solid. I'm a little concerned about what the plot would be going forward. This is sort of the downside of doing this kind of format of show is committing to only four episodes can hurt shows that might be having that slow build. And so it's hard for me to tell is this going to be the format of the show? Are these characters going to develop at all? 
because they haven't in this short amount of time. Is there going to be carry through? Is there going to be resolution? It's hard to tell. I get extra concerned because of the knowledge I have about this writer in particular. With a lot of shows, I, I don't have a ton of background information to provide bias. But this writer <laughs> has written another series that is never going to end. Yeah, People keep saying it's going to end. And I don't, at this point, I don't believe them. Detective Conan is, and I don't know how many, you know, how much of the manga or anything that equates out to, but the anime series has over, I don't remember if they've actually crossed over a thousand. Okay. So they've crossed over a thousand episodes now, like as of, I think it was like this year or last year. That's insane. Nothing's ever happening in that show. Like, it's just the same, like, poor Detective Conan. Like, it's just the same thing. Nothing ever resolves. Nobody really seems to develop. So I worry about this show. I know that this show does end, in theory. But does he actually do anything with it? I don't know if that's his writing style. So I don't know if these characters are going to develop. And if they don't, then I think the show would actually end up being a letdown. But I see a lot of potential. I see the ability for this character, especially Kaito, to grow and develop if he gets challenged, like as the prodigy, if he realizes he can't just rely on the fact that he's good at things, but he actually has to, you know, be a real person and develop relationships that are equal and for him to not think that he's better than everybody. Yeah. If things like that could change in him or you know, could affect how he sees the world, I think this could be a really solid show. I can't tell from four episodes. Yep. So. Yeah, I think I'm in a lot of the same boat. Um, my history with Detective Conan, uh, case closed in America, I guess, is that it was actually part of the original Annie Monday run when we were kind of selecting shows for ourselves and uh, before the podcast or anything. And uh, I I hated it. I did not enjoy it. I don't like the tropes of that type of show. I don't like police procedurals in, you know, live action format either. And I especially really, really dislike the kind of hotshot detective, especially when it's a kid. And so the the history of Detective Conan and the kind of ambiguity of Magic Kaito specifically because... You know, he only writes these every five to ten years or right. whatever. Um, so, yes, the show ends in 24 episodes. But does that mean by episode 24, he finds the gem that he was looking for? He destroys it. He somehow works with the hotshot detective guy. And that guy starts to find out, like, oh, there's this organization. They're the actual threat. So I don't need to care about this magic kaito guy so much and they take down the organization reveal who they are is that the end of the show i'm not sure because i know the manga hasn't ended and we may not see another volume of it for five years so it doesn't seem likely that they would end the show not knowing the end of the manga or if there will ever be an end to the manga um 
But if that is the case, I think it's it's an interesting idea to kind of follow that one main plot, tell it through a series of heists, and then be done with it. I wouldn't even mind if it didn't have a unambiguous ending. Like, I think shows or movies or media, anything, can be still really solid stories, even if you don't know exactly how the story ends like if it ends on a cliffhanger as long as it has that intentionality of the story is complete even if there are loose ends and i would be okay with something like this show having loose ends as long as it felt complete yeah and that's my concern is that it won't ever feel complete because of this writer's particular style of storytelling right I think overall, um, I I do enjoy watching the show at a moment-to-moment kind of basis in a way that I did not with Detective Conan, mm. just because of my own personal tastes about, like, I don't like the the stupid conjectures about <laughs> things that don't add up, and the, like, courtroom drama and the following clues, and I, and I, I appreciate that that's kind of on the other side of this story mm-hmm. of we care more about the heists and the illusions and the weird magic and trying to figure out what that is than the like the Goro Akechi from Persona or the L from Death Note mm-hmm. kind of role. I don't want to follow that person. <laughs> I don't like any of those characters, honestly. Yeah. You like them as the antagonist to the person that you actually care about. To a certain degree, sure. Well, sh- yeah. but their role. But, I, yeah, I definitely don't want that to be the focus of a thousand episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that, um, I think some of the relationships are interesting. They they have the potential to set up some interesting things with GE and Kaito's father and their the, the history of, like, how he used to be the Alfred character for the father. Mm-hmm. And then transferring that to his son. And then Kaito and Aoko, I think, could be an interesting thing uh, because of the detective relationship in that family. Um, And I do think, like, as far as kind of the childhood friend trope that you see in anime all the time, I think this one is handled better than most. Uh, Just that they feel more natural and less, like... Less of the back and forth kind of thing. But I also know that there's a new female character coming who is going to cause a love triangle that I'm super uninterested in. And not to like, hammer on this point, if it is like Yu Yu Hakusho, the love triangle will be very surface level. It's a it's a threat, but it doesn't actually... It's the illusion of a threat. It doesn't actually threaten the relationship. It's more like, oh, yeah, we need to remind each other that we're into it. Like, we need to show that level of commitment, even if we're not going to be in a relationship. So yeah. sometimes sometimes those tropes work out, and it's like, okay, because it isn't actually a threat, because it isn't actually negatively affecting, I can be okay with the love triangle. And then mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, man, you just put this in here just to just for unnecessary tension. Yeah. Well, with all of that being said... Kayla, would you watch more of this? I'm going to say maybe. (laughs) It's probably not something I would go out and actively pursue. And even being able to tell by the break we've had in between 
watching this and first recording it and then coming back and having to record it a second time, I have not thought about watching this show. But I don't think it's something I would turn off. Like if somebody was like, oh, we should watch this. I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. I know what that is. And I'd probably watch it. There are some shows I really want to go after. I'm super interested. I want to watch more, learn more, hear more. The show isn't bad. I'm not disinterested. It just hasn't really hooked me yet. So maybe. Yeah, noting that you uh, said yes last time and (laughs) and the interest has died down seemingly. Yeah, I mean, it has been a few weeks and we we haven't put it back on. I don't know if that's for me personally because I'm less interested than I originally thought I was or just that we've been pretty busy. Yeah, <laughs> things have happened. been <laughs> Things have been pretty wild and stressful. Um, but I'm still going to say yes, um, just that. And I, I do have interest in, in continuing with it, at least for a little bit, to see if it is going the way I think it's should go or (laughs) am afraid it will go sure um especially to see like if this classmate detective starts really dragging the show down because that's not something i'm interested in Mm. um but i i do at least have comfort in knowing that even if there are loose threads and the show doesn't really resolve in the way that like a 24 episode contained series might Mm -hmm. um I at least know it's not going to get dragged down by recycling the same thing for a thousand episodes. Right. Um, and I don't think it'll ever reach that point because dude makes way too much money off Detective Conan. <laughs> yeah. He's never going to like this is his his like pet project <laughs> yeah. that he comes back to when he's bored with Conan, mm. I bet. Um, and so maybe he he like actually really cares about this part of the story. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's got to be a reason he keeps showing up in case closed anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's my hope. And um, don't know if that'll be the case, but yeah, willing to give it a shot. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. And you can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on any of our social medias. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And our username is and a Monday cast, and you can find links for that on our website. Thank you so much to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show. You can find those on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. Uh, the intro music comes from Senpai 2, but I do recommend checking out Senpai 3, his latest iteration on the Senpai albums. Uh, fantastic music, and uh, really appreciate him uh, for letting us use it. Some of the best anime music there is. Uh, almost certainly, yeah. <laughs> and a uh, final plug for the Animonday Randomizer, which you can use for yourself at animonday.moe slash random. Ready to roll? I am ready. Random button in three, two, one. Okay, interesting. Ugh. You have to have a different word. Uh, okay. I am familiar with this one. Okay. It is Studio Trigger. Oh, okay. I'm in. It is Darling in the Franks. That tells me nothing. It definitely is. More Mac. Oh, gosh. Uh, the first episode is called Alone and Lonesome. I, 
I'm not usually one that's excited about mechs, but I do trust Studio Trigger. Oh, it's going to, uh, the animation's going to be good. I'll tell you that. Well, even like, I feel like their writing style works. Yeah, this is an interesting show. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Why? Why do you do this? Well, we'll see. We did just watch a few. Uh... Yeah, we, we'll watch those Star Wars visions. Yeah. There's a couple triggers in there. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I never threw down on this one uh, because it seems weird, but um, <laughs> this will kind of force us to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there'll be a, a mech show that I get real yeah. into. <laughs> yeah. So rare. I already like the character designs. Mm-hmm. They're all very interesting. All right. All right. Hopefully we won't have to record this a third time. Yeah. Yeah, that probably won't happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll just be like, we watched it. It's not. That's here's it. Our, here's our <laughs> the Twitter short character limit <laughs> yeah. synopsis. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, <laughs> hanging on for a few weeks while we get this back. I'm not making any more promises yeah. about <laughs> routine and regularity. Yeah. But that's going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you being here, and we will see you next time. Hopefully that soon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. First, I need to start out with a clean. Previously on Any Monday. <laughs> Was that it? I'm going to do it a couple times. <laughs> okay. Previously on Any Monday. Previously on Any Monday. So dumb. Is that it? Sure. Okay, well, <laughs> one was... of those will work. I didn't know if one of them would work. Okay.